1: Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and we are continuing our countdown of our best of 2023. So this is part two. This is going to be our top five. And returning is my panel that is joins me every year to count down our top 10 of the year. And that is the co-hosts of Bed, Wet or Behead pod, Carla and Meg, And my producer extraordinaire, Aaron A. And my vegan geek chick, Sasha, with the wiener dog. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say rabbit wiener, but you know, now I did. So my beautiful panel is back and we are going to be finishing up our countdown. So we're going to get right to it. So Carla, what is in your number fives?
2: I kick off my number fives with the ugliest house in america and that's a reality show and i'm not a huge fan of reality show- shows i'm not a huge fan of reality shows involving tele- um houses but this one has retta in it and i couldn't say no i was in between shows and i was like eh, this looks like if not fun, at least entertainment that I could have out of my background. And then I started getting really invested in them because I was like, that is not the ugly house of those, the ugliest house of those three. That other person's house was much uglier. How could you pass up that opportunity to work on the house? And then I, I I did a deep dive into like, how can they do this to us? And it turns out that some people are saying, well, that one would be structurally impossible to fix so they went with the, the next best thing. And also these people are white. So that probably factored in. And I was like, yeah, get, get the tracks. That makes sense. <laughs> but anyway, it's still an interesting show. And you, you learn all kinds of interesting house words like mid-century modern and shiplap, which now I'm obsessed with. Like, okay, Aaron, I'm I'm sorry that you're not aware of Shiplap. I think that you need to go and watch some some Ugliest House in America and make up your deficiencies there because you, you will get a full education from Allison, whatever her, the hell her, her last name is, who does the actual renovations. And then Reddit gets to mostly stand and occasionally say, okay, I think we should do this because that's in the last episode of each season. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. My other number five show is Manifest and that is one that um so it's it was on abc and then it went to netflix where it finished out its run and (laughs) i think it got more interesting when it went to netflix because on abc like it started off really interesting and great and then it took a, a very weird religious turn at some point towards the middle where it was all like, God, and God, this and God, that. And I was like, okay, like, mm, now you're making it less interesting. And then it went to Netflix and it became more interesting again. Um, and it, the, the show finally closed out and I was kind of watching it. One of those things where it's like you feel obligated to watch because you've been watching it so long. And you like the people on it, but you don't really like the show anymore. And then they redeemed it in the in the last episode, in the last couple of episodes. The finale was one of the, like, it, it was, like, a, a great finale. It almost made me feel things, and I really enjoyed it. So I was very glad that I did finish the show out. Um, And then The Last of Us. Why I it ranked so low in my top ten? Because, you know what? A lot of these are just kind of like a crapshoot. It's like, oh, I forgot to rank this one. Eh, you know what? I have room in my number fives, so here we go. Um, The Last of Us it's so good it was so much better than i expected i you know you never really know what to make of shows that are an an adaptation of other stuff especially other stuff that you're not very knowledgeable about i don't know much about the video game the last of us um all i knew was pedro pascal was in it and post-apocalyptic and all my friends were watching it and like kind of zombie-ish things were happening, but it wasn't the walking dead. So I was like, "Okay, cool. That sounds like a lot of good things for me." So I I I watched it. I'm glad I did. Um I don't fear um mushrooms, so that 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 phobia does not become a thing for me. I don't have any issues with mushrooms. I think that they are a fun guy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um but it, it really is one of the, the, the best shows. <laughs> it's really one of the, the best shows of this year. It, it's so well done. Um, the mood throughout the whole thing is very consistent and um, grim, but there are some, there's some hope. And there are, there are a lot of, you know, like, parent issues, which for some reason I just, I, I, I love, you know, from Supernatural to like 500,000 other shows or maybe it's just the thing with tv shows maybe it's just the thing with like people who make tv shows do people we need to do a study sasha we need to do a study on the incidence of, of parental neglect among um people who make tv shows because i feel like that might be a thing but anyway yeah. right okay. on it on it. perfect cool <laughs> all right so we will bring you the results of our studies when we actually do them and until then those are my In my 10 years yes Yes, because it'll be longitudinal study, of course. Yeah, 8 to 10 years. Yes, naturally. Perfect. Okay, so those are my my top three number fives. Awesome.
1: And Erin A?
2: Okay, my number fives. Ironically, I know
3: I just went on a rant about how I never read any books, but I have read these books, you guys. (laughs) I read them 25 years ago, but I have read these books. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is it gonna be like good
4: night moon or something
3: <laughs> <laughs> no but i appreciate you think i'm that young <laughs> i'll take it these like kind of tangentially go together um so i'm gonna put them together of interview with the vampire and mayfair witches on amc plus i think they're both good shows they're interesting and i because i read these books when I was in like high school and middle school, probably middle schoolers shouldn't have been reading those books, but I did. And just absolutely loved them back then. And these shows really don't disappoint, I think. I had a hard time watching some scenes in Interview with the Vampire. It's a little graphic, murdery stuff sometimes. But it's good. And it's also very sexy. So my husband always seems to walk in at the sexy parts and he's like, what are you watching? I'm like, get out of here. But (laughs) (laughs) it's good. I like it. So there you go. Some books that I've actually read. And then there was the TV show a million years later. And then one more based on um, a book is a show on Hulu called black cake. And I think this just came out like not like a month or two ago. And it's, really good it's like very emotional and basically this lady dies and leaves this series of audio recordings for her children her adult children to listen to and it's just like the story of her life and all of the stuff that they did not know about her so much drama and she like just twists and turns and I don't even want to give anything away because it's just so good. Like every episode is a cliffhanger and you just got to go watch the next episode. Um, there's eight episodes out right now, but it's, it's, it's very, very good.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard of that. all. Well, I mean, I've heard of the interview with the vampire. <laughs> and Meg,
4: I'm going to say our flag means death. I know people were mad about how season two ended, but too bad. It was sad, and it's cool to be upset. I thought it was really good. I thought Darby was phenomenal. The season, I think, it was just I liked it. I was so excited. The merman thing was just so ridiculous. But what a the music for the for that whole scene, I thought was so good. And it's and it, I just loved it. It was good. It was a bunch of pirates, and like I said, my list is in no order, so. I have no, (laughs) this is all just stuff I liked, but I was super excited to have it come back. I think the way it ended makes me a little nervous because we haven't heard anything about a season three. Max is going through all of their, let's see how much money we can funnel to the top people and, and merge and merge and merge until it's just one giant cable company again. And we haven't gotten a, a renewal, but if it does end, I think it ends in a, on a decent note, if it, that has to be the series finale. But I hope we get more, because I love my gay pirates.
1: And that is all. Awesome. And we also did an episode on Our Flag Means Death, too. So, yes. Yes, see? I love that I can we use did. this episode just just promote it. To just, just self-promotion.
4: <laughs> Carl and I also did some episodes on Our Flag
1: there, Means Death. There, see? Promote <laughs> <laughs> that too. And then
5: Sasha. He will not be able to promote anything from my number fives. I apologize. <laughs> so just going to leave with that. I'm going to muck up your promotion plans. It's
1: okay. <laughs>
5: All right. I've got two songs. We're going to go real dark and sad here for a second. So I apologize, but then we'll lighten it up. I promise. So roll with me. Uh, the first one is Lost by Linkin Park which has Chester's vocals, which about broke me when I heard it. I don't, for those of you who aren't familiar with Linkin Park, their lead singer died by suicide. The song is very like emotional and it came out, you know, a couple years after his death. So it's kind of a big thing. So that one came out this year and I thought that was amazing. And then the other one is Labor by Paris Paloma, which if you've been on TikTok at all this year, you've heard this song. It is the Feminine Rage for all to hear and that song uh is just an amazing song like just google it on the youtube find it you'll appreciate it if you want to hear some like ranty feminine rage and then we'll go super light and we will go with uh, a movie that is no surprise to anybody that it is on my list it might shock you that it only ranked at number five but it is fast 10. <laughs> Because y'all know I love this franchise, and Jason Momoa was in it. Again, villain, sassy, please watch this movie. Please, watch this movie. Those are my
1: three. Awesome. <laughs> uh, um, well, my three are all horror. First one is just is not a comedy, though. The other two are horror comedies. But the first one is... The latest Evil Dead movie, Evil Dead Rise. Uh, this was one that I sent my sister the trailer and I said, Hey, you want to go see this? And she went, No. Uh, That's a nope for me. And then it was on Max and I was like, So, do you want to watch this? I want to watch this. It's like, Okay. And then we're about 20 minutes into it. It's like, when will I ever learn? So um, that should tell you. They used—I don't remember how many gallons of fake blood. It was like, like a, an, like more than almost any other movie has. There's tons of blood and gore in here. You will never ever look at a cheese grater the same way again. Um, it's used in a very way that I was scratching my skin after the scene because it's one of those. It's like oh. But I just really I really enjoyed this one. It's very dark, very dark. Like I think darker than that that's what's interesting about the newer Evil Dead movies is the newer Evil Dead movies are very dark. They're not comedic at all. And while there may be some funny scenes in this one, there's it's really just dark and heavy and kind of sad and depressing. But I loved it um, because I like dark and twisted stuff. And it's a really good horror movie. So I enjoyed it a lot. And then my next two are some horror comedies that were mentioned in our part one. And that is first I'll go with Totally Killer, which again, uh, you know, Sasha mentioned it's on Amazon Prime. And it's an 80s time traveling serial killer movie and i really don't think you need to know much more else about this movie it is fantastic and i i love the scenes when she goes back in time and when she goes into the school and she's like don't you need to see i don't have my transcripts i don't have my transcripts i don't have anything she's like ah oh, we don't care and you're like the 80s were a Different time in the dodgeball, the dodgeball scene. And just there's so much in this that is so fantastic, especially if you grew up in that time period. So I really, really loved it. I had a lot of fun with it. And once again, it's such a great year for horror comedy. And then uh, this has already been mentioned, of course, too, but I'm going to mention Megan. And um, so many of us have been mentioning this, but I, I love this movie a lot. There is talk. And I'm fine with this. Some movies I think it's fine to have sequels and to make a franchise. This is, there's lots of talk this is going to become a franchise. There's even talk of doing a Megan and Chucky movie, a crossover. And I am all for that. I am totally for that. So bring it on. Yes, I want to see Megan and Chucky team up. Or I better yet, I want them to see, be in competition with each other. That's what I really want to see. So yes, So those are my five. So now we're moving on to four. So, Carla.
2: Oh, my gosh. It's getting real. We're already in the top numbers. Oh my <laughs> god, I'm so excited. It's so weird to be talking about, like, now our top four of 2023 when 2023 started two weeks ago. It's so weird. <laughs> um, but I will kick off my number fours with the movie Nowhere on Netflix. And I love this movie. It's... It starts off in Spain. It's a post-apocalyptic world. And the people in Spain are being kind of... I I forget how how it starts, but basically the people in Spain are becoming refugees. And a lot of them are going to Ireland because Ireland is, is like a safe haven where these refugees can go. So they're finding all of these ways to get out of there. And if you know anything about you know, immigration and refugees and asylum and all of that. In current times, it'll strike a nerve because it's not outlandish. It's set in the future in a post-apocalyptic world, but you don't need those settings for this to feel real because this is what a lot of people actually go through. In this particular instance, this woman is very pregnant and she and her husband buy their way into a cargo container and so they end up getting separated and she ends up giving birth by herself through circumstances that are just horrendous and all part, you know, uh, part of what people go through escaping horrible situations to get to better ones for themselves and for their families. So it's not an easy watch, but I do think it's it's definitely something that, that people should watch, especially if they're not familiar with what people have to go through to escape conditions that are that are deadly for them it's like i said you don't you don't need to imagine a ton to imagine something like this happening so that's the movie nowhere um it is in, in spanish and again subtitles you know dubbing it's all there for you don't be scared don't be scared baby birds just because it's foreign doesn't mean that it's scary. The next one, uh, You Are So Not invited to My Bat Mitzvah, which was, okay, so this is a whole like 180 from, that, from the <laughs> previous one because this is all light and joy and fun and teen angst. Oh, I even in my notes I put teen angst, great acting. Okay, there we go. So that there it is. Teen angst, great acting. It's about a, um, a girl who is... About to have her bat mitzvah, and all of her friends are having their bat and, and bar mitzvahs, and um, you you see into for for those of us who are not Jewish and who have not experienced a bat or bar mitzvah or have not had friends who had them, and that we so we didn't go to them growing up. I've been told by reputable sources that this is like a really good glimpse into into like what that feels like as a kid if you are latina and you've had a quinceanera you you have an idea of what it's like and there's you know there's uh budding baby romances and and um clothes that don't really fit the way that you want and then parents that you think are overbearing but then it's just because they love you so much and it's adam sandler and his daughter's it's good family fun. It's honestly like one of the 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 greatest surprises, one of the, the fluffiest surprises of 2023. I really enjoy this one. And my last one for my number fours is No One Will Save You, which, oh, look, she took another turn. Now we're back into the dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, no One Will Save You. It's really, it's such an interesting movie. It's Caitlin Deaver, who is already... That, that should sell you on it right there because she's a phenomenal actor. But the, the premise of it is that... Or rather, the if you want to call it a gimmick, I just think it's a very interesting method of storytelling. There's almost no dialogue in this film. Almost none. And it's not a very long movie. It's a movie about something weird is happening. So it's like a horror kind of mystery thing that she's trying to understand why this is happening why it's happening to her who else is it happening to the ending leaves you like whoa what the hell just happened it's a very novel approach to this particular genre which i can't tell you much about without spoiling it so if you do watch it please reach out to me tell me what you thought because i want to talk to more people about this this is i think one of the movies that is that has been like criminally under um what's the thing when you don't talk about it enough it's been criminally under talked about
1: underrated yes
2: that that too that works too uh, so if anybody wants to tell me their thoughts on it please do tell me what you think about it because i want more people to like it so that we can like it together out there in the universe okay bye
1: yeah that's on my list everyone that i know that has seen that movie loves it love it is so
2: good and i I watched it just kind of like i I looked at the runtime i'm like okay it's not very long thank god i don't have time for very long right now and caitlin deaver absolutely let's do this and i i just i couldn't stop watching it like i was supposed to stop and finish it the next day and i couldn't like i stayed up (laughs) way too late watching it because it was so good so good and it left me thinking for days and that's not an easy task anymore
1: not these days (laughs) Yeah, I, it's been on my list to watch for forever. I've got to watch that one. So Erin, A, hey, your fours. So mine was, like Carla
3: mentioned, The Last of Us. I don't know if there's more to say about that. Besides Pedro Pascal, Bella Ramsey, they're perfect together. Who knew he was such like a good, grumpy old man? Like He's just like still lovable, though. He's a grumpy <laughs> old man. But I love it. Also, um, something that I got really into is the Walking Dead spinoff, Daryl Dixon. I like The Walking Dead lost me like seasons ago. I think at about season seven or eight, I kind of just like stopped watching it, like got boring and it was too much and stuff. But I always like Daryl and I gave this a try and it's it's really good. I like it. Putting it next to The Last of Us now, they're very similar that he is also taking a child across the country because they are going to save everybody.
2: But is he grumpy doing it? Well,
3: yeah, it's Daryl. Yeah, he's always good. Okay. Good point. Good
2: point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course he is.
4: Is he really grumpy and hot doing it, even though it's he's still bloody? Maybe especially. Like, it's he's- I was <laughs> gonna say again it's sterile. <laughs> i never watched watch The Rocking Dead, but I get I know the normal is. so Oh, yeah.
3: It's like um now that I think about it, it's basically identical that they, he he <laughs> is given this child that he didn't want that is like the immune solution to the problem and has to get them to the other side of a country, except for Daryl is in France. And he's also traveling with a nun and a child. But it's really good. I like it. And they actually did film it in France, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So I watched, like, the first episode of Dead City, which was the spinoff. There's, like, 75 spinoffs for Walking Dead now. But um, the one with Negan, and I just, like, I can't get into Negan. I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, but I I don't know. I didn't like I didn't like that one. I didn't want to watch another episode, but this one was really good. Um and then also a sort of a spinoff, kind of on Apple TV is Monarch Legacy of Monsters. And it's Godzilla, but Godzilla's not actually in it that much. Um it's set in twenty fifteen, a year after the Godzilla Reemergence, emergence I guess. And one of the scientists that worked for the Monarch Corporation, like he, he dies and his daughter goes to Tokyo to like clean out his apartment and finds out she's got like a secret sibling and he had another wife and all this stuff. And so then they team up to investigate what's going on. And it's really good. It's really interesting. It's not a lot of like Godzilla destroying stuff. It's more of, you know, unfolding the mystery of Monarch and stuff. But I liked it. I think that recently came out like in October. So it hasn't been out for or November, maybe. It hasn't been out for very long, but it's really good.
1: Yeah, the one with the Russells. Yeah. Russell and his son, Wyatt Russell. Yes,
3: they are really great.
1: I love Wyatt Russell. I think he's so fantastic. He's adorable. They look, like, so similar. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable how similar. And I just not from interviews. I didn't watch the show, but I know Bex recommended that last week. Yeah, but, and Kurt, uh,
3: he just, like, plays, like, the older version of him. So they're, like, literally the same person
1: in the show, yeah. which is great. So, Meg, what are your number fours?
4: A book that I have for this is called Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. It is a YA fantasy romance enemies to lovers kind of feels like world war one vibes but the wars going on are a war between gods and these rival journalists basically kind of fall in love with each other through a magical through magical typewriters and they don't realize that they're the same person so there's a lot of it's it's just very sweet it's a great examination of grief and i just i love it i like there are some complaints that people have that it's not like a spicy book and i'm like it's ya so that's not what that is but it's just it's really good um it's on kindle unlimited so you can read it for free the second book in the duology comes out on the 26th so you don't have to wait forever for the second book which I know I hate. I read this and then I realized that there was another book and it ended on a cliffhanger and I was so sad. But then I saw that the book comes out a few weeks after I had read it. So I thought that was really great. I'm going to echo Queen Charlotte. I just, I am a big Bridgerton fan and I was very, I was hesitant to watch this because reasons. I don't know why, but I watched it and I absolutely loved it. I thought... I loved the time how they tied the storyline from Queen Charlotte into the Bridget, folded into the bigger Bridgerton storyline. I loved the background you get on some of my favorite characters, like Lady Danbury, and how she became who she was. I thought that was fantastic. Carla had mentioned how this series, this um, show, showed us how racial integration happened instead of just being like. Like, during Bridgerton, it's like, well, the king fell in love with the queen, and that is why we have black nobility and people of color as as peers. And this really kind of got more into the struggle and how difficult it actually was and how much work um, Charlotte was actually going through to get that done and how much pressure she was under, as well as Lady Danbury and other black members of the peerage because it was like there are two different sets of society and it was segregated and integrating that and how how big of a deal that really was because it's kind of swept under the rug during the British and Chum. And the third one I just forgot to mention when I brought up the Eras tour thing. I don't know if you guys know what happened with Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun and how he bought all of her music from her, so she has been releasing re-releasing her albums as her own version. She released two of them this year. And I just, it's in my top because I'm happy to see someone getting agency and ownership over their creation and their work. And also the song you're losing me started streaming and it's a really heartbreaking, sad song about a slow death of a relationship and it makes me cry when I feel like being sad. So there we go. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have songs that you listen to and you just feel like being sad, but that one really hits home. It's basically a person begging their partner to try and to put an effort into saving their relationship and the slow death of it. And it's really good. And that is all. And that's the last I will talk about Taylor Swift. <laughs> playing nothing but Taylor Swift in my house between my two kids for the past 10 months. (laughs) That's why I can't watch anything. It's just Taylor Swift.
1: (laughs) No, I would say a good 80% of my liked songs, my songs are all ones that make me want to cry. (laughs) That's how most of mine
4: are. And, and, And I know she gets this rap only writing about boys and breakups and stuff like that. And that's not true. There's a lot of other songs that a lot of other songs, but like Tolerate It, Stop Your Losing Me and a couple other ones, I just like, okay, I feel like just being real sad and My Tears Ricochet are three songs. I'm just like, I just feel like being sad. So let's put on sad girl music and just pretend I'm not going to go cry in my car in my happy, healthy relationship.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Eh. And
5: Sasha, your fours? I have very different ones for my fours. So the first one I will do is a musical that I saw actually last night for the first time. And that is Six. If you are a musical theater fan, please go see Six if it comes near your town. If it doesn't come near your town, Google it up on the YouTube find the songs on spotify whatever you got to do like six is amazing if you don't know what it is it's henry the wives um and it's their individual stories it's set to like pop music it's done concert style it's really fast it's only like 80 minutes there's no intermission nothing it was super super fast but six was amazing very girl power just fun earwormy songs so if you're into musical theater I highly recommend that one. My TV show in number 4 is Witcher on Netflix. We got the end of uh Henry Cavill as our Witcher which I think is the end of the series that we know and love. I think it is over at this point. And I don't know how I feel about that. But Witcher. And then my movie for number 4 is the D&D movie. Because it was hysterical, and it was fun, and it made a group of us force my husband into being a DM for six women, um, and we are chaos monsters, and I think he's pretty much over us, and we're only halfway through our campaign, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh yeah, i I'm pretty sure if he files for divorce, he will cite the d and d campaign as the reason. <laughs> I love d and d so much. We are just we are chaotic. It's all heist based. It's just- so it's all these like breaking and entering things, and we overthink everything. so he sets timers on us, like in-game timers that are like, hey, a guard's coming. Hey, a second guard has come. Hey, you now have attracted five guards. And we have this elaborate plan, and then we go full smash and grab, and, like, Leroy Jenkins our way through it.
4: Oh, my my group always gets stuck on the door boss. Like, is it trapped? Is it locked? <laughs> uh,
5: my group likes to hug doors.
4: Yeah, we're mostly a bunch of uh, murder hobos in my campaign.
5: Yeah, no, we are chaos gremlins, and it is... <laughs> I'm here for it. So the D and D movie, because it was fun and it was campy. And I think it's introducing a new generation to D and D because if you grew up in the eighties, there was a lot of like, Oh, it's satanic. It's satanic. Don't do it around it. And it's, it's fun. Y'all.
1: Awesome. Um, my fours. I'm going to start. And I swear, I'm not doing this on purpose to just promote the podcast, but it just happens that i Seen things and read things because of the podcast, so that's why there are so many on here that have to do with episodes we've done. But, um, I recently interviewed the co editors, and they also have chapters in the book for the book Soups Ain't Always Heroes Inside the Complex Characters and Twisted Psychology of the Boys. Um, this book is fantastic. If you love the boys, it's, I think, a must. I think it's just a must read. And the people I spoke to were um, Dr. Lynn Zubernis and Dr. Matthew Snyder. Dr. Zubernis, you, if you're in Supernatural fandom, you will know them as Fangasm on all of the social media. They've written a lot of books about Supernatural. So it was tons of fun talking with them and reading this book. And also just a reminder that uh, Tanya Cook, they also co-wrote a chapter in here as well. But it's just, they go into all the different characters. It looks even deeper into the show than even I had even bothered looking before. Uh, You learn new things. There's interviews with the creators, with some of the actors. So I just highly, highly recommend that. Uh, And then next is an adaptation of a beloved novel. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Uh, loved this novel, loved Judy Bloom books. When I was growing up, Judy Bloom was, meant a lot to me as a young kid and then as a preteen. Uh, and are you, there, are you There, God, It's Me, Margaret was one of my favorites. And I think this is a beautiful, beautiful adaptation. The performances are great. And I just really want to give a special shout out to Rachel McAdams because I don't think Rachel McAdams ever gets enough love. She is a fantastic, fantastic fantastic actor and she is so good in this as the mom. She's just so good. She does so much. There's so many subtle things that she does in this that whoops that I wish there was a chance in hell she'd get kind of a nomination for it because she's she's that good. So recommend that. And then finally there's a movie and a couple of people in here uh saw me message them about the beginning of this movie. There's this movie called Fair Play on Netflix. This is there's a there's a lot of sex in this movie, not as much as I thought there was going to be, but when it's there, it's very graphic. And it opens, and the reason I'm pointing this out is because, and I think this is all because this was directed by a woman. But when it opens, you've got the main couple; they've been dating in secret uh, for a long time, Luke and Emily, because they work at the same like trading financial firm place in New York, and they are at a party and they go into the restroom and he goes down on her and when he comes back up her period has started and there's blood like on her dress on him and never once does he get disgusted by this or grossed out by it he's never like there's they they're joking about it but not in the way like ew this is disgusting you have you're you're on the rag kind of crap there's none of that so that was very refreshing to see they even have sex again and you know they're like let's lay down a towel so there's never any like it just it just was so refreshing and different to see that in a movie where it was about the woman's pleasure but that is as far as you go with liking the character Luke because it quickly changes because what this movie is really about is the fact that like I said they both work at the same company well one of the people there he's fired And Emily overhears something and thinks that Luke's going to get that job. Well, Emily gets the job. And this sends Luke into this tailspin and he cannot handle having his girlfriend and actually his fiance at this moment be his boss. So this is all about um, gender politics, but also about the fragile male ego crap and what this does to him. He turns into an absolutely horrendous human being. So it's really interesting to watch that and, um, to watch her dealing with that and how she processes that. I do want to give a trigger warning for, um, sexual assault for this movie though. So I do want to give you that, but, but I thought it was good. I liked the performances. So once again, that's on Netflix. So now let's move on to our threes. We are like in the top three now. woo Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, everybody. So, Carla, what are your threes? I'm
2: going to start with the Barbie movie. And the Barbie movie was, I, I think a lot of us who watched it came away from it feeling a bit unburdened if only because our struggles as women were broadcast to millions and bazillions of people in a way that I don't think that they had been before because this movie, it's not like the most comprehensive and complete study of feminism that you could ever hope for, but it is a good um, primer and it's very accessible. So You can come into this knowing nothing about feminism or not even thinking that you're going to be learning anything about feminism. And then you walk out of it being like, oh, hey, women have a kind of tough and all the ways in which patriarchy really hurt everybody, not just women. And all of this with great catchy tunes, because I am forever humming. I'm just Ken. And it's a song that I I can't believe I, I can't believe that it was nominated for Golden Globe. Also, it's the same year in which Peaches from Super Mario movie was nominated. So we have that going for us this year, I guess. But it, it's a great film and one that I I, I watched it with... Um, I got to watch it with my, with my goddaughter, which was really special for me. Because, you know, I, I don't get to spend enough time with her as it is. And to spend time with her watching something like this... And we had a really interesting discussion discussion in the car on the way back on the way back home that I don't know the whole experience really filled my heart. So, whatever. Jury Duty on Prime. Oh my god. That show I did not expect to laugh as much as I did. Again, it's a reality TV show. Reality TV is such a mixed bag. You never really know what to expect. And in a show like this, where you have one person who is not in on the joke until the very end, that has historically not always gone very well for that person. Not because people have been mean to them, but because it can be really disruptive to their to their psyche. And fortunately, I think that the way that the show, um, the people running the show handled things made... The experience a lot better for the person who was the um, um, the only person thinking that he was an actual juror in a jury duty among a, a group of of actors. And James marston was an absolute delight. I've always loved him, and I love that he was nominated for his role uh, for Golden Globe in this role because I I really think that he's he's one of those actors who just keeps flying under the radar for some reason. Even though he is incredibly talented. He's so talented. And he, um, I think especially after watching this show, and not only watching this show, but watching him interact with the main person on the show and seeing how he helped him kind of cope with the aftermath of the show just really makes me like him that much more. And then my number three, number three, is a show that I was so conflicted about when I started watching it because... I was like, I don't know how I feel about this show. It's Mrs. Davis on Peacock. And it's (laughs) my synopsis of it in my notes is nun on a mission from her mother-in-law, Mary. So (laughs) it's a it's a it's a wild ride. It is like what is going on in this show? Again, it's about a nun and she is it's a world that is run by ai and she's like a holdout she's one of the very few people who refuses to interact with ai but she has to in order to save the, the the world but she doesn't know from what she doesn't know how or why she just knows that she has to do it and there are very real consequences if she doesn't it's over the span of several episodes and each episode is more wild than the next. the The series itself is kind of uneven. There are moments when you're like, they really could have done this part better, but on the whole, it is it's fun. It makes you think a lot. And whether you're, uh, you know, religious or not, I don't think it really matters. If you don't know much about Catholicism, it doesn't really matter, because the show is is uh, I think it'll strike a chord with anybody who has ever felt lost in their life, and in seeking a purpose. It's a hell of a ride. I think you might enjoy it, people out there listening, and also people on this panel.
1: <laughs> awesome. And Aaron A., your threes?
3: Uh, my threes? Man, it's getting really hard to decide now. My only reality show on the list is Welcome to Wrexham. Um It's on FX slash Hulu. So basically Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney from It's Always Sunny by this Welsh football team that's like really struggling. And in in the middle of COVID, they bought in like 2021 and it just kind of follows season one, kind of followed the setup of them coming in and taking over the team. But season two um, this year was really good. It got more in depth of like stuff about the town and specific players and things like that. There was a whole episode about the like women's adjacent football team in the town and stuff like that. And this second season really had like a lot of heart and it talked about um, not just the football aspect of it, um, of like what, you know, what it means to these people and the town and everything. And it was, it's really good. It's, it's really nice. I like it. I like nice reality TV where people aren't yelling at each other and stuff. Um, My next one is lessons in chemistry on Apple TV and it stars Brie Larson and in the 1960s and she's a chemist that works um, in a lab and she's clearly smarter than all of the men around her, but it's the sixties and nobody lets her do anything. And then she gets fired (laughs) she falls in love with one of the other chemists, and he's an absolute sweetheart, and I don't think it's any big uh, spoiler that he dies, and it's sad, Um, but she becomes, like, the the host of this cooking show, (laughs) and it's just, it's kind of a wild ride. It's really sweet, and I like the, the 1960s kind of shows like that that show, like, a different side to stuff, not that everything was beautiful and perfect. And my other one, ironically, I didn't do this on purpose, but also is Brie Larson and the Marvels. Because <laughs> baby flurking kittens. uh. <laughs> I think this movie is so underrated. It's got terrible reviews. It's like the lowest grossing movie in the whole Marvel universe. And I don't know why, because I thought it was really sweet. I thought it was great. I think the three lead actresses have fantastic chemistry together. So um, Brie Larson, Tiana Paris, and Amon Valani. They're great. Um, And it was written by Nia DaCosta. Like, the Marvel Universe needs Nia DaCosta because she's just so great. I thought it was really good. I thought it was fun. It was It was just exciting. The fight scenes and stuff were so good. And I don't like to read the reviews, but I liked it. So there.
5: Erin, <laughs> I agree with you. And I also want a baby fucking right. kitten. You're so cute. Yeah. And the women were amazing. Those three all of their interactions were just It so makes
3: dangerous. me sad because they set it up for a sequel and it's
5: doing so poorly that I don't think the sequel's ever going
3: to
4: happen but My uh, husband and kids all loved it too. Great. It got re- it got review bombed because of misogyny and racism. is what Yeah, I what think happened. that's
3: probably yeah. Yep. Yeah. So
4: and it wasn't promoted hardly any at all.
3: Yeah. I, yeah, that's which I didn't even know it had come out until a week later. Like yeah. that's
4: well, exactly. And for not a Marvel sense. movie to not be promoted, like it was it was set up to fail. It was yeah.
1: Part of the promotion, you know, with it also not being prone up ap- happened like right with the strike, so then they couldn't have some of the promotion too. But yeah, it mm-hmm. yeah, there was a lot of things that yeah. so Meg, what are your threes?
4: I'm gonna second the Barbie movie. Carl overly said said everything that needed to be said Like, and I agree with everything she said so eloquently I just I remember watching it and I was like one of the last I swear to God I was one of the last people in this country to watch this movie my whole family wound up seeing it like in the theater before me and all that other stuff I finally rented it at home <laughs> Um and then of course a week later it was available no I bought it I'm sorry I bought it and then a week later it was available on HBO I'm like son of a that's fine I'll pay for it um, but I just remember feeling really so validated at the end and, and seen as as a woman and, and a lot of the hard things to do as a woman and the hard parts of being a mother, especially a mother to daughters. And it just, it touched me in a way. It was really interesting to watch with my girls and kind of see their reaction and the conversations kind of we had about it afterwards. Um, and yeah, I just have, I just have the one
1: for that one. So. Awesome. And Sasha, your three.
5: So my threes, I've got the movie air, which I know was in theaters, but I didn't watch it until it was on Amazon prime. And it's the story between Nike air, the shoe, um, but it doesn't focus on the Jordan part of it. It's like how they're luring him and you never see the michael jordan character um i was surprised with how much i really enjoyed that movie like just the interactions between them how they were planning this out because it's another based on a true story and just like the risks that they really took to get this thing out there that ended up being a bazillion dollar industry which blows my mind but um that was Uh, it was a shocker to me so that's why it made it up in my top three um the book that made it up there is the cat who saved books this is translated from a japanese author and it is a gentleman a young gentleman um who's I think it's his grandfather has this bookstore passes away and he's got to take care of things before he moves in with other family and so he's not going to school um and this cat shows up in the bookstore and he's like mr cat you shouldn't be here and uh, mr cat turns and goes excuse me mr proprietor i need your help and the boy goes i'm sorry so yeah it's the cat who helps save books he needs mr proprietor to help him save these books from these uh, labyrinths where uh, books are being destroyed. So it's it was a really fun read. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then the TV show I put in my top three is on Netflix. It came out in January um, of this year. And it's called Kaleidoscope. And it is a heist series. The cool thing about it is I think it's eight episodes But you could watch them in any order. It didn't matter the order you watched them in, because it was different time periods of how the heist happened. So... And all the episodes are titled a color. Uh. So you could watch, like, blue first or yellow first. And it was irrelevant, because they were stand-alone. But then as you watched them all, they told the complete story. And I thought it was just a very unique storytelling way. And I love me a heist. So... It was fun. So those are my top three.
1: Awesome. And then I have to ask about about Air. So was Chris Messina's scene in there as fantastic as everybody has said it is? Because I've heard his scene, he plays like the agent, right? And he's like supposed to be really fantastic. Fantastically slimy.
5: Yeah. He, yeah. Yes. Everybody in there was like chef's kiss. I think they all did a great job. But yeah, there were, yes. I don't want to, like, you have to watch it, because there's things that happen that you're like, oh. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, there are some very slimy moments where you're just like, you are a jackhole, <laughs> and I just don't, like, go away. Just go away. <laughs> Stop dipping your nose. Walk away.
1: It's funny. Uh, well, my threes. are first up is Yellow Jacket Season 2 which, um, yes, we did do an episode. And yes, we did live stream reactions. Um, Carla, Jen, and I did. Uh, so it was like a reunion of when we used to do Dexter live streams. And uh, and Chrissy is also on the, the podcast episode. I don't think season two is as good as season one, but I still really love it. I mean, it's in it's third place here. I do worry that this show... May kind of, I don't know. I wor- I'm worried about season three, I just want to say. But I do love this show. I love all the performances are fantastic. Uh, the characters are great. There's still one thing in, in, in season two that I totally understand why it happened, but my heart is still broken from it. I won't say in case people haven't seen. But yeah, so that's, of course, on Showtime. And then um, I have Jury Duty at number three, too. Um This was another one that I was like, I kept seeing clips of this on TikTok of James Marsden. And I I'm, I love James Marsden. And I think a big reason why he is so underrated, honestly, is because he's so attractive. And so I think people just focus on that. But he is a fantastic actor. And any actor who can take a role where they are making fun of themselves and playing a very smarmy egotistical version of themselves is aces in my book. I just, I love when actors can do that. And, uh, and he said he would not do it if this was going to be mean. That was his big, big caveat is he didn't want it ever to come off as being mean or picking on Ronald, the, who is the person who's not an actor. So, um, so that was his big caveat, but I just think it's just, it's so funny and it's really kind of sweet it's really got a big heart in the end. And I just, I absolutely adored it. I, I I just, I, the second I finished it, I started it again because it was just so much fun. I, I breezed through it too. So I love that one. And then lastly is another documentary that you can watch now on Peacock called uh, Commitment to Life. And this is all about The impact that the APLA had during the start of the AIDS crisis, and it's like the start of like, they used to do these things called commitment to life ceremonies where they would help raise funds in in the 80s to help during the AIDS crisis because, you know, nobody wanted to help or do anything. And so it's about that. And it's just a really fantastic, fantastic uh, documentary. And yes, I did interview people that were involved in it, but it is a fantastic. It's so good. And I'm really glad to see it's on Peacock so i really really highly recommend it it is a long documentary but i think it's very important and i think sometimes people forget that you know you know people don't want to talk about certain things anymore but i think it's very important that we continue to talk about the way this country handled the aids crisis because it's very relevant today not just because aids is still around but also because of the way this country handles a lot of crisis so i think it's very important for that reason so those are my threes we are in the top twos everybody Woohoo! so carla what do you have in second place i have
2: such good stuff in second place such good stuff i will reiterate what so many of you have already said totally killer was totally killer it's so much fun i it's one of those movies where you you know It's slashery, but it's, like, hilarious. And you get to revisit those 80s fashions that you may or may not love but remember fondly simply because, you know, there's something about a time before cell phones when you could just live your life and, you know, without worrying about all of your shenanigans being posted without context for everybody to scrutinize. Which also means that sometimes a serial killer might get off more easily but you know you give you take that's life it it was (laughs) it was so much fun to watch like i've been recommending this movie to everybody who will listen and also people who do not i i I could just watch this so many more times i also uh want to give a shout out to upload three the upload season three which i think was one of the the better seasons of the show season two I was like I don't know but season three I really enjoyed I think there were so many really hilarious moments I like that um the nemesis from season one who was the the girlfriend has been kind of redeemed which I I I like not just because it made it more interesting but also because I don't like the idea of the ex-girlfriend just automatically being you know labeled horrible things just because she's a woman who's still in love with her with this man who is no longer interested in her. So I, I like what they've done with her character. I also love Luke. He is still and always will be my favorite mediocre white guy from the show. I I adore him and his silly antics and the fact that he was half naked in one of the episodes. I appreciate it. Thank you to the people who make Upload 3. Thank you for making <laughs> this vision happen for me. And the last show that I'll mention for my top twos Is a show called Extraordinary, and it's a brilliant little gem of a show about a world where everybody has superpowers, and they all manifest when you turn. I think it's either thirteen or sixteen, like some you know pivotal age, puberty, etc. Suddenly you, you get all these powers. Oh no, wait, whatever. They just come in at some point in your life, usually in your teens, and there's this one girl who has not gotten her superpowers. And she is like, "Well, do I really need them? So she's trying to like be okay within herself, but in a world where she's being pressured to have these superpowers and being asked like, why don't you have them? What did you do wrong? Like, have you tried hard enough? It's, you know, there apply that to your life as you will, because I think that it's the kind of thing where it can resonate with a lot of people who may have been late bloomers or just not interested in partaking in a particular social convention where people have are constantly asking, you, well, why not? Why haven't you done this? Do you think you're going to do this? You know, like with getting married, having kids, all of these things where it's like, it's expected of you. And learning that, no, 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 you're, you're fine. Just being yourself. Even in a world where everybody else has these superpowers. But it's it's hilarious there's a guy who starts off as a cat and then suddenly turns into a guy and it's super weird and hilarious the season ends in a very big uh, cliffhanger but the show has already been renewed so if you do watch it don't worry you will get a season two and i enjoyed it and i hope more people watch it because it's it's honestly one of the, the best shows that i watched this year which is why it's in my top twos by the way
1: So, Erin A., what came in second?
3: I totally just lied on my last one. Whenever I said I had no more reality shows, that that was a lie. I immediately looked down at number two, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, there it is. So, Living for the Dead. I know I've already gushed about how fantastic this is before, but it's so good. It is... A ghost hunting show that follows a group of LGBTQ folks, and their job is not to like antagonize the ghosts or like yell at them or send them away to wherever ghosts go. They want to like help the ghosts get along with the people, figure out like, why are you doing this?
5: They're the anti Zach Baggins.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. They're so, and it's so cute because they like, And they drive around in this old, like old Winnebago R V. It's adorable. But they're so sweet and they like care about the people that they're trying to help. And they you can tell they care about each other and it's like a little bit funny. It's fantastic. There's a group of five people and they like they each have a specialty and they like there's eight episodes and they go to a different place and it's like they went to, you know, haunted hotels and this like old asylum that's now a haunted house and they're like yeah the ghosts are mad that you're like making fun of them so maybe don't do that right <laughs> so but it's so good and I don't even I do not like ghost hunting shows I think they're all kind of just stupid and made up but this one I don't even care if it's not real I think it's fantastic and I love them and um I hope there's another season also Number two um, is The the Changeling, a, a TV series on Apple TV, which is not what you think. It has nothing to do with the movie back in the day. There's a lot of, like, I don't want to give spoilers, but it's very, very, very good. Um, and it stars Lakeith Stanfield, which I think we can all agree we love, and Clark Bacco and Adina Porter's in it sometimes. And the beginning starts out of like she's I don't remember in some South American country, and she meets this like witch lady and gives ties a string around her around her uh wrist and was like, when it falls off, all your dreams will come true and so then of course, like her dummy boyfriend just cuts it off, and so you know she, you're not supposed to do that, and so just really crazy stuff starts happening, and it's very suspenseful. And what you think is the truth is, like, not the truth. It's it's so good. That's another one where, like, every episode's a cliffhanger. And Apple is mean. And they don't release all the episodes all at once. And I can't watch them all in two days. You had to wait until the next week to watch it. It's torture. That's really good. Um, and my other one, I'm going to go with Dark Wind's. I know I had already mentioned, um, son McLannan. It's the second season that came out this year was fantastic. There's two seasons of it. Um, it's on AMC plus it, um, it's based on a series of books. There's I think a ton of books in a series that was written quite a while ago, but it's set in like the 1970s, like the early seventies. And so it's got like that really cool old car vibe and like there's a whole, Shtick in the second series about like this one guy's wearing like leisure suits and the big collars and everyone's just making fun of him. And he's like, it's the clothes of the future.
4: <laughs>
3: but there, these two uh, deputies on Navajo nation in Arizona and they're solving crimes and stopping bank robberies and stuff. And it's, it's really good yeah I don't know if there's a lot to say about it's it's again, it's just a very exciting thing, and it's covers a lot of serious topics too about the way that native people were treated in the seventies, which was not good uh, it, There's a whole storyline about the this guy's wife is a nurse, and so there's a storyline about her helping um women that are coming into the clinic to give birth and that you know how they used to deliver a baby and then sterilize a woman because that seemed like a good idea and so there she's trying to help get the word out about that and stuff so it's just very it's an exciting action show but there's also very deep and tender moments in it too
1: awesome thank you and meg
4: I don't think this will surprise anyone, but I do have two for number two and that's the last of us and the Mandalorian because I love me some daddy Pascal traversing treacherous terrain. Isn't always the correct word, but situations with a very special baby or child. I love them both. Uh, Mandalorian Season 3, I loved. I know some people had a little wishy-washy things, but there was more Katie Sackhoff, and I love her, and I will take more of her, and I love Bo-Katan. The only thing I really complain about is how dirty they did everybody by making us all watch The Book of Boba Fett before we could watch Season 3 of The Mandalorian and understand what the hell is going on. Because that, The Book of Boba Fett was just bad. But they made so many... they made. The last three episodes were so crucial to The Mandalorian. It made me really, really mad at the whole thing because one of the things I don't like about Marvel is how interconnected everything is. And I know this isn't Marvel, but it annoyed me. Um, And The Last of Us, I just, it was, I was really into, I wasn't even, I never even played the video game The Last of Us. I kept buying it. I bought it for my husband to play because I... I wanted to watch him play it. I'm not good at video games, but I thought it looked really cool, and so I bought it for him, and the first time the cellophane was taken off of it was when I tried to play The Last of Us after watching the show The Last of Us and I I didn't even make it to when the daughter dies because I kept getting eaten by the mushroom people. One of these days, if I were more technologically savvy and had a thicker skin i would almost be tempted to twitch stream me trying to play this game <laughs> because i'm so bad at video games it's comical like my husband has watched and i know that every part of him has is desperate to or is trying so hard to hold back from helping me <laughs> because i don't like the help but i so desperately need it i've made When I finally got past the part where his daughter dies in the video game, it's because I made Marty do it so I could get past and start (laughs) playing the game. (laughs) So there's a lot of that. I feel like a lot of my top ten is just like the things that made me have feelings about other stuff. But I just, I thought Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal had such great chemistry in The Last of Us. Bill and Frank, that episode alone is, is worth putting it up. High on the list for me. But yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, have, I have a lot of feelings and don't have anyone to talk to about feelings because I don't want to spoil because other people. Because you don't
2: have a podcast.
4: I don't want to spoil you because you watch <laughs> the show too and talk about things that are going to, like, that are happening. But I love it. I love, um, The Mandalorian is really the only Star Wars thing I content I consume all that much of and that's for weird reasons that I won't get into here. But yeah, Daddy Pascal, four stepdad traversing with adorable spawn. And I yeah, that's that's it.
1: Thank you. And then Sasha, what came in second place for you?
5: Also The Last of Us. I won't add anything. I mean everybody's already said everything for The Last of Us, so that was my tv show my book was uh, starter villain because that is phenomenal so if you need a good giggle basically dude inherits his uncle's villain business and it comes complete with striking dolphins spy cats and a volcanic lair so you know instant villain just add water and it's just it's funny I listened to it and Will Wheaton does the audio version so that made it even kind of funnier because he gives some pretty good voice a lot of sass to it so that was fun uh, and then my movie is another one that shocked the shit out of me because I thought it was a video game movie my husband's like let's go see Gran Turismo and I'm like it's a video game I'm expecting like ready player one video game style um, nope totally wrong also another based on their true story which seems to be my theme i don't know what's happening um i'm just now looking going based on true story based on true story all right whatever but yeah it's they used video games to train race car driver and the actual race car driver makes an appearance in the in the movie um and so gran turismo is a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be because I thought it was just going to be a cheesy, fun, you know. Oh, it's a car movie. It'll be like Fast and the Furious
1: mixed with video games.
5: No, wrong. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, and it shocked the shit on me. So it made it in my top two.
1: Awesome. I love that there are so many things that are on here that I'm like, nope, I, that you know, I haven't watched yet. So I love that. My number two's The Last of Us is number. Two, and I won't say much else on that except for that I um, have read spoilers for you if they do follow along for the second season, which I'm not going to say, of course. And yeah, uh, but I did, I really did enjoy that. And I loved the performances. And then next up is Fellow Travelers, which I mentioned last week on our pop culture and fandom news episode. And at that time, I had not finished it yet. So I didn't realize this actually spans... A lot of time. It's not just jumping from the time of McCarthyism and then jumping forward to eighties and the AIDS crisis. There is some moments and episodes that take place in the sixties and the seventies as well. But this is basically following two couples: Hawk and Tim, played by Matt Bomer and Jonathan Bailey. Jonathan Bailey is so fan freaking tastic in this show. And then the other couple is Marcus and Frankie. Uh, played by Jelani Aladdin and Noah Ricketts. Noah Ricketts is also absolutely fantastic. And then you also have Allison Williams in here who plays Lucy, who is Hawk's wife. And what this is, is this is following, you know, basically these men who, um, you know, during times when you could get arrested, you could lose your jobs, you could be, anything like that for being gay. And, you know, Tim, Jonathan Bailey's character, also struggles a lot with his faith and he actually works with McCarthy in the in the beginning of the series, and you watch his growth. And so it's a lot of the persecution and the judgment and living in fear and living in hiding. And I really struggled with Matt Bomer's character, Hawk, because of a lot of the way he treats Tim. Although you understand where some of it's coming from, but it's still, it's this whole show about trying to be your authentic self when the world will not let you be your authentic self or doesn't want you to be. And the struggles with that and how some people are able to overcome that and and be their authentic self and grow beyond the fear of what that could mean and others are not. And it's just the performances are fantastic. And I think it's a very, very important show because also it's talking a lot about what the world does to people um, and tries to do and how the world tries to eliminate people so that don't fit into a heteronormative world. And so it's talking about that too. So I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And I did mention this when I said it, there is there's a lot of graphic sex scenes in this. I only am mentioning that because if you don't like graphic sex in a show, then just be warned that there is. Um, but it's, it's some hot sex scenes too, so throwing that out there. And then... Lastly is the movie. Oh, and fellow travelers is on Showtime. And lastly is the movie May, December, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. And this and I mentioned it in the performances on part one for Charles Melton. And once again, this is on Netflix. And this is sort of loosely based, even though it's not the same exact story but on the Mary Kay Letourneau story, and it is about an actress played by Natalie Portman. She's she's going to be playing the character Gracie in a movie based on this story of a woman who, you know, <laughs> abused a 13-year-old boy who they end up marrying. And um, she's going there to study her. And it's also just about, um, and Joe is the boy who's now a man. He's in his 30s, married and to Gracie. And so it's all about the lasting impact of abuse. And it's something that is not talked about when it comes to boys enough and not talked about where it's taken seriously. And so that's why I appreciated this movie. Again, I want to echo my complaint though from last week is the fact that this has been was submitted to the Golden Globes as a comedy just irks me beyond measure. Because One of the things I appreciated about this movie was it was taking that seriously. There are some dark comedic elements to it, but this movie is really serious and it just bugs the crap out of me because it I think it just kind of cheapens it. So um, it's not a comedy. It's not a comedy at all. Okay, we have reached the big moment. Your favorites or just what you put in first place, Carla.
2: (laughs) I like that you preface it with that. For me, my number ones were the only ones that I actually really seriously ranked. So these are my actual number ones for for the year. Despite the fact that uh, halfway through recording these episodes, I realized that there were two significant things that I had, had omitted. Oh, well. <laughs> Too flippin' bad. <laughs> uh, one of my number ones is Our Flag Means Death. Because as Meg... Has- as Meg has already mentioned, this season was darker than the than the last season. It was still hilarious, and it was still a lot of fun, and it's still a great show. The ensemble is phenomenal. There is not a character that I don't love. I loved also the inclusion of uh, this year of the great Chinese pirate um, Zhang Yu Zhao, who was they couldn't have picked a more perfect person to to play her she is terrifying but also so cunning like she can really she she has these pirates kind of eating out of the palm of her hand because they see her as this this just like oh this little woman oh okay well she's not gonna do much to me but she is fearsome she's also incredibly generous with her um with her pirates and treats them really well which is why they want to stay and, and work with her and of course the the central story which is well the central story to me and to all of us who who love our um our ship uh, upon the ship of steed and ed their their story i think got even more romantic this year than it was before. And this is just proof that you can have a pairing that doesn't have to get boring just because they've they've paired up. And yes, they had that big break because of what happened at the end of last season. Their reunion this year I think only made them that much more interesting as individual characters and as a as a couple. But there were so many things that happened this season that it's just packed with story it's so much fun it's just such a joy to watch another one that i'll mention is beef on netflix and that one of course we have the controversy with that actor whose name i can't recall right now but the the series itself was just mind-blowingly good because it's when you watch the preview for the show you think that it's just road rage and funniness, which there is, it's, there are moments of absolute hilarity and there's road rage and anger, but they, they take these characters and you, the deeper that you get into the show, the more complex they are and the more in common they have than they want to admit. The acting is so good in this series I was on my streaming bubble with Jen and we talked about it at length. So if you want to hear me talk more about beef, then go listen there because that we really got into it and she calls it the, the hot kimchi mess, which it absolutely is. And that could not be a better name for, for the show. And my number one for this year was Poker Face because I love Natasha Leone. And in my notes for the show, I put Natasha Leone, which, yes, that is a reason enough for me to have started the show. The reason that I stuck with it was because I loved the premise of this woman who can tell when somebody is lying and the ways in which that gets her into trouble. You would think, oh, this is great. She can avoid stuff. Um, yeah, she can. She can also get herself further into trouble because she can't shut up. <laughs> she has like no stop button on her mouth. So she's constantly getting herself into bigger trouble as she is also on the run from a very murdery casino boss casino boss so it's um and by the way it's a comedy so it just it it uh, it makes more sense when you watch it than when i'm talking about it but like i said natasha leon that should be enough for you to watch it so if you haven't already i suggest that you get on it because it's damn good and there's gonna be another season at some point. I don't know when, but I know it got got picked up. So, Oh, and she was nominated for Golden Globe for her performance in the show because she deserved it because she's Natasha (laughs) Lyonne and the show was very good.
1: And Erin A., what came in first place for you? So, first place,
3: third? First place? I don't know. Barbie. I don't think I need to say anything else about that for obvious reasons. Just Barbie. I love it. I bought the DVD. I like, haven't bought a DVD in like at least five years. I don't know. just makes me happy. Also, one of my favorite things ever to come out this year is Ahsoka. It's so, so good. I have no complaints about it. My only complaint about it is that there is not more episodes and we have to wait now. But it's just, it's fantastic. I know it's not for everybody. It moved kind of slow, but I loved it so much. And if you're a Star Wars Rebels fan, then it was just that much that much better for everybody. And then my number number 111 is um Doctor Who, obviously. Oh my gosh, you guys. Um <laughs> in like Oh my god, so the 360th anniversary specials so perfect. Flawless. I have no complaints. I'm so excited. The, let's see, at this point right now, I have not seen the Christmas special, but I feel like whenever this is going to air, we will have already got to see it. And Shuri Gadwa, amazing. So excited for him to be the doctor. Russell T. Davies is back and amazing. Also, the music is a bazillion times better because Murray Gold is back. It's just so perfect. I'm so excited and the three episodes we've got
1: so far have been fantastic. Awesome. And Meg, what's first place for you?
4: I haven't had a chance to watch the Doctor Who specials yet. I've been wanting to and <gasps> I'm just yeah. Yeah.
1: You kill me. I I, that
3: hurts. I know. <laughs>
4: Now you know how Carla feels about everything she ever tells me to watch. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I will. And then I just never ever do because I'm awful. My number one is number one uh strictly because of the amount of time dedicated to doing to consuming it. And that's and it's the reason why I have not watched or listened to pretty much anything else for the past six months or so. Um, and that is The web series, Critical Role, Campaign 2, The Mighty Nine. Technically, it did not come out this year, but their most recent reunion episode came out this year, so I'm saying it counts. It is basically a live play Dungeons & Dragons campaign with a bunch of voice actors, and they're very, very good. I was really resistant to starting uh, anything like Critical Role, because of, there was so much of it, and because I was like, I'm going to really watch a bunch of people play a game, and then I started, and I could not stop, and that was about 600 hours, (laughs) so (laughs) it's a lot, but it's basically about seven, it's called The Mighty Nine, it's about seven adventurers who are thrown together and go off and, and, and have adventures, and there's tragedy and romance and a lot of comedy it's it's very clear that this cast of people know each other very well and have been playing together for a really long time and the chemistry is just really good between all of them two of the or two sets of them are married and just what the wife of one of them laura bailey Um, Her husband, Travis, said he would never, ever do romance in D&D, and she decided that she was going to romance him. Her character would romance his character, and it's absolutely adorable. And yeah, I really, really loved it. I thought it was good. I laughed. I cried. I made Carla listen to me squee. We have our own little channel now where both of us just yell about stuff that the other one doesn't watch and no one else... You don't have anyone else to talk to you about and just yell into the void. And it's becoming an animated series, much like the legend of Vox Machina. So I'm sorry. You're going to probably have to hear me talk about that when it comes out because it's, it's just, it's really good. And if you have that much time to commit to something or, and if you're curious about dungeons and dragons it's a really interesting way to be introduced to it yeah and that's all and i promise you don't have to binge it like crazy like i did you just might want to start like my husband was 30 episodes ahead of me when i started watching and i finished and he is still (laughs) still going because i am cool And that is all.
2: (laughs) And this is why we don't watch stuff with our husbands, because they inevitably, if we watched it with them, we would never finish anything.
4: Yeah. And he wants to watch Percy Jackson together. And I'm like, I'm never going to finish it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that is all. (laughs) So, Sasha, what came in first place for you?
5: Barbie. Not saying anything. We've covered it. Everybody's covered it. But Barbie was my number one movie. Uh, No words, just feels. My number one book, there's two of them, and I'm counting them together because they're part of a series. And they blew up on BookTok, Fourth Wing, and Iron Flame, which is how to train your dragon meets Hunger Games, throw in Divergent, and make it spicy. And then make one of the dragons a grumpy old man with get-off-my-lawn vibes who is also partnered with a basically toddler dragon turning into a teenage sass monster. That That's what you need to know. They're fun. They're easy. They are not, look, they're not like top shelf, greatly written. They're just meant to be fun, right? And they're smutty and spicy and all of that. So I'm counting that. And then my number one... For the year is uh, The Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix, which is Poe Perfection. I loved everything about that series. So that was my number one.
1: Awesome. Um, My number one is, uh, well, Barbie. I I won't say anything else because it's already been said by everybody. And then the other one I want to mention, I only have two in, in my number one spot, is... The most important, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, the most important documentary of the year that is not getting any attention, and it really irks me because it's very important, and that is the documentary AmeriCond, which is all about unions and um, capitalism and the evils of capitalism, but also the power of unions and the power of people starting to the labor movement we've been seeing uh, recently, and the power of that, and I just think it is incredibly important, and I really wish more people would acknowledge this movie and see this movie. So I really, really, really highly recommend going out and and renting it, um, streaming it, you know, whatever, just buy it, whatever you want to do and support this movie, and yeah. It'd be amazing if we could all be in unions and have a little bit more power. And if we could also remember that, um, you know, yes, the billionaires have all the money and they have the power because they use their money to buy politicians on every side of the aisle, but we outnumber them. And so, you know, if we can use our voices and grow in power, then um, maybe we can actually make a change. So, yeah. And yes, I did interview the director, Sean Claffey, but um, but I really just, the, it's just a fantastic documentary. So there we go. And then I wanted to quickly, because um, I did put a call out there today, I didn't do it earlier, I should have done it earlier, to see if people wanted to share some of their favorites from the year. And I did get someone mention a show, and this is a podcast called Namely 90s, and I've never heard of this show. It came out uh, in Australia first in 2022. And then it came out last month here and it's called, uh, C- Colin from accounts. Haven't heard of this show, but this was their fit. Fa- I don't know if anyone has heard of this show on my panel, but this was just a show that they shot it out as one of their favorite things. So we are done with our best of, but we do have one other six degrees of Finn. If did, did Aaron, did you play again? Yeah. Okay. So what's your second six degrees of Finn?
3: Okay, my second one. I did Dark Winds and Zahn McLaren. I'm obsessed with him. Um he was in also in Longmire with Katie Sackhoff. And Katie was in man, this is like all of like my favorite shows. This is so <laughs> good. Um she this is, this is the perfect connection. Um she was in Battlestar Galactica with Dean Stockwell, who, yeah, thank you, (laughs) Meg. Dean was in Quantum Leap with Scott Bakula, and Scott was in Chuck um, with Matt Bomer. Matt Bomer, of course, was in The Normal Heart, among other things, with our dear Finn.
1: I used Matt Bomer, too, so I'm like, I should struggle to find another one, but I'm just going to go ahead and use it, So because I used the same exact one. So, yeah, so... Matt Bomer was – is it, of course, in uh, Fellow Travelers, and then he was in The Normal Heart. Well, I'll just say he was – the first time he appeared in the American Horror Story universe was the same – was also the first time Finn did, and that was in American Horror Story Freak Show. And Finn brutally murders Matt Bomer's character – spoiler (laughs) – And then, but then Matt Bomer's character gets revenge in the next season in Hotel and murders one of the two characters that Finn plays. So spoiler, but uh, there you go. (laughs) So (laughs) they take turns murdering each other in the American Horror (laughs) Story universe. (laughs) So thank you all for joining me again this year for the best of I always enjoy doing these episodes. So we're going to go ahead and close out. And my panelists can tell everybody where they can be found, and Carla and Meg can tell everybody where their podcast Bedwetter Behead, can be found so Carla,
2: thank you, Erin. You can find Meg and me and our fantastic podcast, Bedwetter Behead, wherever you get your amazing, wonderful podcast hosted by wonderful people who are amazing and brilliant, um not to toot our own horn, but that's just the truth. And you can also find our social media presence on TikTok at bedwetbeheadpod, on Instagram at bed.wet.behead.pod. On TikTok, we are at bedwetbeheadpod. And you can find me and my art and my musings on Instagram at Carla or on TikTok. I have one TikTok, but it is worth it. Uh, That (laughs) is, what is it again? I know this one. It's at Carla and then my website is carlatemis.com That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S dot com.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And Erin A? I am at Instagram only
3: um, at Geek and Sew. That's what I do at Geek and I Sew things. Awesome. Thank
1: you. And Meg?
4: Uh, you can find me on well, pretty much everywhere at Wisconsin W-I-S-C-O-N S-E-N-N-A-C-H Um, also I realized, I forgot that my dogs have an Instagram because you guys were all talking about your dogs' Instagram. I don't run it, so there's a chance that it gets updated from time to time. My, my kid runs it. I do not run it. Um, it's at Formal Pups if you want to see my adorable dogs, Smokey and Bandit. And that is all. (laughs)
3: that's amazing i I feel like we need to do a roundup of all of the dog social medias just just a dog i'm gonna make a special web page on the website yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) the dogs of the pod dogs of the dogs of the pod (laughs) (laughs) so So, sasha i know your dog can too but first where can you be found
5: (laughs) yep you can find me on the Instagram. That's where you can find me. Uh, vegan Geek Chick. And my doggo is linked in my bio there. So you can follow him. Again, I really need to update his stuff. So I'll try and get on that.
1: <laughs> awesome. Thank you. It's so hard. Yeah. Uh, and this is Aaron, And you can follow Fergie the dog on TikTok at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S-C-H. R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. It's long, but it's worth it. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram and threads at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to catch up on some of our past year episodes, or if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to head on over to our website. It's a fandom You'll find the episode sorted there. You'll find a contact us button there. You'll also find a link to our Patreon. So you can become a Patreon subscriber and you'll get early access to our upcoming uncut, unedited three hour video version of our Barbie episode. That'll be just for Patreon subscribers. And then in a few months we'll release one for you, for you regular people.
4: <laughs> <laughs> for the common folk.
1: Yes, and remember, <laughs> And remember, you also get ad free episodes on Patreon as well. And you also get to help us decide some of our nominees for our upcoming second annual Fandom Choice Awards as well. And next week, I am so happy and thrilled to say it is the third annual Christian fucking Bale Month. And I am just beyond thrilled. I love diving into this man filmography (laughs) every year and i love being visited by quote unquote christian so catch up on our past christian bale episodes there's a handy page just with his episodes on it and then join us as we kick it off with the one that was selected by our listeners and that is rescue dawn so carla and aaron a will be back for that and you can watch these live i'm not sure yet on the time or day but Go subscribe to our YouTube channel and you will never miss anything and, you know, everything like that. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Everybody ready to not get the clap, but to clap? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not as good
4: of a party, Erin, I have to
1: tell you. (laughs) Wrong party. I don't want to
3: be invited to that one. Never mind. (laughs)
4: Okay.
1: Five, four, three, two, one.